0: this is the trophy room aka trophy room radio i am your host brett hammer wherever you are on this wednesday thanks for making me part of your day coming up we may have our madden cover athlete for the year and a new hold up to the college football video game Kyrie's keeping his name in our mouth and oh yeah we have nba finals game three tonight but why is this series more heat favored than you think that is all coming up but you know it is way too hard to buy quality graphic tees these days you look it up all you get is sketchy third-party products on etsy and ebay none of it's real Game Changers is throwing a wrench into all of that. Game Changers is a real company that puts real quality in the phrase, you get what you pay for. They make high-end quality shirts with all your favorite NBA and NFL teams and players as well as rappers and other culture icons. If you head over to GameChanger.LA, you can use promo code HAMMERTIME23 for $10 off. That's capital H, HAMMERTIME23, $10 off. No minimum order required. Go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram and TikTok at the hammer time with an extra E. Shoot me a message. Let me know what you like or don't like about the show. Okay, I got class in 40 minutes, so we got to get to it today. But before we get to it, I do want to go through this because I came at this movie last week. I was going off about it, how the rumors that I heard did not sound good. And then I actually went to go see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse now all of this being said this is, there's no spoilers here so go see it regardless of what I do or do not say but I will tell you this this movie is being applauded as one of the greatest superhero movies of all time It's the, people are saying it's easily the best Spider-Man I don't know how it's even being put in that category because I went to this movie looking for that and did not find it I did not love this movie. I liked it. I probably would have given it a 6 out of 10 because to me the pacing was so horrible and there were so many unneeded scenes in the first hour and a half. So just don't go in expecting the greatest movie of all time and you will thoroughly enjoy it, especially the third act of the movie. And I thought they ended it fine. I know that was kind of my beef last week. uh, But to be honest with you, if they had cut out the first hour and a half that was unnecessary, and made the last 45 minutes the movie, they could have done the whole thing without making it a two-part movie. However, it is what it is. So there's that. Um, First story, we have NBA Finals Game 3 tonight. There are a couple storylines that we've got to get to, though. A couple of things that I feel like the majority of people are overlooking. The first one is this. I don't believe... Miami Heat have been given enough credit. I, I don't think that the Nuggets were properly rated either. I was one who said, in order for me to believe in the Nuggets, they need to do it. They're doing it. They've earned all of their respect. I didn't think they couldn't do it. I just wanted to see it because we acted though they had won the NBA Finals before they had ever even been to one in their entire franchise history. But they've done it. They've earned it. And they look like the most unbeatable team in basketball right now. I know, I know. Your rebuttal is, well, Miami beat them in game two. True. Stephen A. Smith said this in their opening pre their pregame on ES or on ABC. He said, in order for the Miami Heat to beat Nicole Jokic, they have to force Jokic to score. Because what they did in game one. Was they double team Jokic pretty much at all points? They crashed on him. And what do we know about Jokic? He is probably the most elite passer at that size that we have ever seen in the game of basketball. Just as a side note, I think Jokic is more Kareem magic than he is Tim Duncan. I know we kind of had said that. From the standpoint of it doesn't make any sense how he's this good at basketball, yes. Jokic is comparable to Tim Duncan because he doesn't look like an athlete. But, Nikola Jokic is probably more Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, unstoppable scorer, Magic Johnson, elite distributor, the ball, the game flows through him. More that than Tim Duncan. But Stephen A. Smith came out and said this in the pregame on uh, Sunday, or Thursday, Wednesday. Dude, the schedule that they have... For the NBA finals. I know it's only two days off instead of one day off, but it really throws me off trying to remember the schedule because there's so much it feels like there's so much time in between each game. But um Yeah. So game two, Stephen A. Smith said, You gotta force Jokic to score, guard everybody else, let him do what he wants. And you and I were both watching that game, game two saying. They're letting Jokic get whatever he wants. He was bully-balling through the paint. He was drilling from three. And they still lost. Well, here's what's interesting. He's 0-3 in games where he scores 40 points this postseason. Isn't that wild? You would think that, like, because we think back to the historic the historic scoring performances in postseason history. You think about Michael Jordan's 63-pointer in in Boston. Um, You think of LeBron James' wild run in 2016. Now, Nicole Jokic is the best player in the game of basketball on planet Earth. However, it does feel not like Westbrook completely, but Westbrook in the sense that stats that you think should overwhelmingly force a narrative don't necessarily do so. Here's what I mean. Remember when Russell Westbrook was averaging a triple-double and we gave him the MVP because we said he was the best player in the basketball and then they lost first round? It's because that stat didn't necessarily correlate with the way they were playing basketball and therefore didn't lead to them winning basketball games. And it seems to be the case here. Eric Spolstra took a gamble. Because 0-2 is not a huge sample size. But 0-3 in 40-point games in one postseason, that's a pretty decent sample size for Spolstra to say, we're going to take a gamble. We're going to let him score as many points as he wants. And we'll see what happens at the end. Now, that is not a surefire thing. Because as we we saw... um. The Nuggets made this thing close super late. This was by no means a foregone conclusion. However, people want to say with Miami, oh, well, well they won't shoot like that again. They won't play like that again. In the fourth quarter of these last two games, the Denver Nuggets are shooting 50% from three. Now, if that's not clutch, Gene, I don't know what is. However... If you, we want to play the game of I don't know how long that lasts, all I'm saying is I don't know how long that lasts. And it will be interesting to see if the game plan for Miami tonight is, again, let Jokic do whatever he wants. Do not allow him to get the rest of the team going because if he can pass, you're done. The other news for tonight is that Tyler Hero will not be returning for Game 3. Which, it's interesting when we look at the Miami Heat. We've been watching them for a few weeks now. And the absence of Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo is, again, somewhat of a foregone conclusion. It's an afterthought. None of us really think about it. But here's the deal. Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo are top five on the team in points, assists, and field goal percentage. And Tyler Hero is number three on the team in rebounds. So, imagine if we took... So let's take Denver's top five guys. So, we go Jokic, uh, Jokic Gordon... Michael Porter Jr., Bruce Brown, Jamal Murray. Okay, so we'll say that Jimmy Butler has BAM, so Nikola Jokic keeps Jamal Murray. Let's say you go down Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. That would be tough. Now, I think Jokic is elite enough as a passer and distributor like we've talked about. I mean, to get a triple-double, that many triple-doubles... Especially when postseason triple-doubles are something that no one else does. It's incredible for Jokic to do what he does. But even if without those two, without the defense that Aaron Gordon brings, and with the high range, or I don't even know you what you want to call it, but when Michael Porter shoots a three, he's so high up because A, his vertical is significant, and the dude's 6'7". So, take both of those out. I I don't know what we're talking about with the Nuggets. I think they probably make to the Western Conference Finals, but they lose. So I'm just saying, give this team a little bit more credit in Miami because Spolstra is working with so little. Cody Zeller is the backup to Bam Adebayo. I would take every single guy in Phoenix you might say duh with Bam- with uh, DeAndre Ayton I don't even know if that's a duh but I would take any of those big men Bismack Biombo, Dario Saric the young man who got his life ruined by Nikola Jokic I would take any of those dudes over Cody Zeller now Cody Zeller has what we call grit um and uh that's because he looks a certain way but yeah he's got grit he's got hustle The big thing to know for tonight's game, if you know nothing else about tonight's game, the one thing to know is that game three, when it's tied 1-1, the team who wins it wins the series 80% of the time. Now, I don't think, I don't believe truly in my heart of hearts, like if I was a betting man, I don't know that I buy Miami winning the series, but... My gut says it's totally possible. So we will just have to see. But it should be a heck of a game tonight. Alright. So, middle of the day yesterday, we got this groundbreaking, like, breaking news. That the PGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour are merging. Which, if you don't know a lot about golf... Let me explain it to you. When, so the Live Tour is based in money that comes from Saudi Arabia. That's the fact. The deviation from fact comes when the PGA Tour commissioner and a couple of other people within it came out with the narrative that they didn't want their guys playing in the PGA Tour or in the Live Tour. Because, quote, well, quote, unquote, to paraphrase, that was essentially blood money. And it was tied to the deaths of 9-11. And therefore, the quote was, our guys will never have to apologize for playing for the PGA Tour. I hope they don't have to apologize for where they go on to play. That was the essentially the nail in the coffin. And so what happened was, you had the PGA Tour taking this moral stand against the Live Tour, mostly because they didn't want to lose their stars. Here's the, here's the scary truth. This is like what you tell your kids, you tell them how the real world is. If you don't know how the real world is, let me give you some premium uh, knowledge, No one who makes that much money or who works in that much money cares about morals. I just bought a pair of Yeezys the other day and Yeezy won't let me return them or Adidas won't let me return them because Adidas is trying to get rid of all the Yeezys. Let me tell you what. Isn't it interesting how Adidas said, "Yeah, we're no longer selling Yeezys. Well, then they had their first truly negative quarter in years so then what do they decide to do they come around and say uh well yeah we've been planning this all time we're going to sell these yeezys but we're not going to allow them to be returned to us and we're going to donate some of the money to charity they're not donating all of it don't believe that it's not true people who work in that much money do not care about morals Caring about morals is a PR move, but it's never the end goal because it doesn't really affect the bottom line. People are still going to buy the product regardless. And if it can put money in my pocket directly as the commissioner or the owner, these rich people, these people who make that much money, they don't care about morals. So now the PGA Tour commissioner looks like an adequate hypocrite and people were calling him that in the meeting because he made all these comments about the live tour just to go in and merge with him well here's the hard part brooks kepka won uh this last major in the pga pga championship he's a live tour golf live tour golfer so it looks bad so a couple things are happening here first of all people don't care about morals People care about money, how it affects their own bottom line. Second of all, the PGA Tour realized we're losing all of our stars. Like, imagine if LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic all went over to join some Saudi funded super basketball league. The NBA might say, in order for us to survive, we got to get our stars back because sports are star driven for the most part. NFL, People still watch football because it's just that good. But this whole thing with the PGA Tour, I'm not even surprised, nor am I really mad. Because the PGA commissioner, he's not the first person to lie about trying to influence his bottom line. He's not the first rich hypocrite. And if this surprises you, then you just don't understand how the world works because he's not the only one doing it. All right, so we get this story, another story that came out yesterday that reportedly was leaked by two reporters at the same time. Which, if you ask Colin Cowherd, means that this was orchestrated. This was not a report necessarily, this was a quote given from a source. So apparently, Kyrie is recruiting LeBron James to come to Dallas. It was leaked to Chris Haynes. And it was leaked to Shams. And they both released it at the same time. There's a couple of issues here. The first thing is. When you're reading books in high school. we, We talk a lot about fatal flaws. Especially in Greek mythology. Fatal flaws. And sometimes your greatest strength becomes your greatest weakness. I would argue one of Kyrie Irving's greatest strengths but also his greatest weakness is impulsiveness. The amount of things that he tried in the NBA just as far as finishing moves, game winners, all of this. It some of it has to come from a point of craziness within you because most coaches would tell you no don't do that. Okay, it worked. Kyrie Irving's a little impulsive. Here's the problem. The other thing he is, is very jealous. And he looks around at the league and says, well, all these guys have more championships than me. Kevin Durant, more championships than me. LeBron, easily more championships than me. The only person who really doesn't is James Harden and Russell Westbrook. But everybody else, pretty much, everyone else has more championships than you. So I think Kyrie's getting to the end of his career and he says, well, shoot. I got to get myself back in this thing so and I think a moment of weakness comes out yesterday and says well yeah I want LeBron to come to Dallas and we've been talking about it and so yeah y'all should just leak that I think Shams and Chris Hans probably did it because it's the information they were given and I'm sure it was given directly from Kyrie or his camp however some people do believe that this is LeBron approved communication. I don't know that I buy that. So because there's writers saying that this gives LeBron leverage, but what leverage does it give him? He has 1 year left. And second of all, what leverage is given because what does Dallas have to offer? that they would be willing to give up to get lebron. They gave up so much just to get Kyrie and that was a failure. Obviously you'd rather have lebron than Kyrie. So if you could do that trade over again, give up the same guys you would, however, odds are you wouldn't be able to get the same thing out of it. With one year left on the deal, maybe. But LeBron James, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic in Dallas would never work. Because they have the same exact issue that Phoenix has, which is they have no wing defense. Zero. They don't have Aaron Gordon. They don't have Spencer Dinwiddie. They don't have Jay Crowder. They don't have any of these guys who are being big and long enough to guard outside. And on top of that, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and Luka Doncic don't want to play defense at all. And on top of that, while LeBron's not ball-dominant, Endgame would be a disaster. And for all of those reasons, the central theme with this is Kyrie is at the center of it. And it's a, that's why you know it's a bad idea. All right. Three stories all wrapped into one. All at the center of the Buffalo Billingtons. So, by the time you're listening to this, this news may have already broken. But reportedly on Twitter, or supposedly on Twitter yesterday and this morning, the Madden 24 cover was released, or leaked, sorry, not released. Which is cool, because the M- I feel like the Madden cover a lot of times is the best guy in the league that more internet people are talking about, it's like more Pro Bowl than it is All Pro. And MVP is more all-pro than it is Pro Bowl, I would argue. Except for when Aaron Rodgers won it. Um. So, Josh Allen was reported to leave the Madden cover athlete, which again, is super cool because Josh Allen should have won the MVP back in 2021. He didn't. It is what it is. And then, another story following this seam trend of Madden... And EA Sports is reportedly... Let's pull up this Twitter thread. Now, this is a report from On3NIL. On3 is like a 24-7 sports, similar. They are reporting, quote, the college football PA is organizing a boycott of the 2024 EA Sports college football video game. The payout for athletes is expected to be roughly $500. Um, and then... I don't know who this quote is from, but they quoted it in their tweet saying, they should not opt into it, it is just a ridiculously low amount of money. I assume that's coming from the uh, college football PA. But then someone responded, this being some reporter, I can't find the tweet, but the reporter said that they could be violating antitrust laws by doing so. I don't know if that's totally possible, but the news here that I can interpret for you and maybe this is why they pushed the year back, game a whole year back is cuz they anticipated this. But the news is that this game is finding yet another roadblock, which uh, it starts to just make you wonder if this thing is ever going to get done at all. Because we've been sitting around for ten years waiting for this video game. Obviously, the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit against the NCAA caused a lot of roadblocks. Not necessarily negative; they were good for people getting paid for their name, image, and likeness, despite signing away that right earlier. But it is what it is. Um. I mean, yeah, the payout for athletes being five hundred dollars. Some of these guys are making over $500,000, so that's drops in the bucket compared to what they're already making, and a lot of these guys, that all that does is pay for them to go out and buy a PS5. I don't know how much money that EA is making off this video game. However, let's be honest, with most things in the real world, people are making more money than you think they are. So I would be... But also, think about how many college athletes you have to pay. Every kid in college football, at least FBS, who wants to be in the game, you have to pay him. Which, let's just say you have 130... So you have 130 uh, FBS teams. And then, let's say you have 60 guys on a roster times that by 500 that's four million dollars that they're shelling out roughly again this is based on our estimates four million dollars to these guys in college football i mean the opposite is how much the alternate alternative is how much are these guys making on their own or as far as ea goes we don't know the answer to that we don't even know if my calculations are correct but with the number we have of $500 we can get pretty close 4 million dollars seems like a lowball to me for one of the most profitable sports or video game companies in the country it'd be likely to believe highly believable that they're really lowballing these guys. But again, what, what am I telling you about these companies? None of them are in this business for charity, to make people feel good, to help people out. They are in the business to make the most on their own bottom line. That's how big companies work. They are strictly there to make money, they're not there to chase a dream, they're not there to create a product. They're literally just there to suck your money. That's it. That's why summer sales bros are oftentimes the way they are. What? Um, There's rumors of a Derrick Henry trade. So Titans get a new GM this year. There's rumors that the Buffalo Bills want to get a running back. And so the internet has put one and one together and come to the conclusion that Derrick Henry should be traded to the Buffalo Bills and that there may be rumors that it's happening. Uh, Derek Henry was asked about it this week, said he went ahead and met with their new GM. They had a conversation about it. He feels pretty confident he won't be traded. However, it's clear, I mean, when you're the new guy in town, you have no affinity for anyone there, which I think is why, despite Will Love is falling, they went ahead and got him anyway, even though, doesn't he kind of just feel like Ryan Tannehill 2.0 with a little less of a meathead mentality? which sometimes is cool and sometimes it's not. It's obviously it's obvious that this GM has the ability to deal whoever he wants. And with the acquisition of Will Levis makes it feel like he could be going off script and doing whatever he wants. Now, I don't know how many more years you have of Derrick Henry in Tennessee. The one thing we can't argue is Derrick Henry is about the only thing you have putting butts in seats, but it's the NFL, it's Nashville, there's not a whole lot to do outside of that, so keeping Derrick Henry as a fan attraction makes sense, however, having Derrick Henry in Buffalo would be awesome, because like, let's look at the Buffalo Bills running back room. How many of those guys are bruisers in the same way that Derrick Henry is? Apparently not enough. Otherwise, they would run them more on third and short, which is what they really do is they use Josh Allen, which I love. Josh Allen's a dog. However, how much longer is this really going to last, Josh Allen, before somebody gets hurt? And that's why the Derrick Henry trade makes sense. I don't know that it'll actually happen, but it sure would be fun. Um, this is the last one, Aaron Rodgers keeps on coming out with the quotes, that it's a different vibe, that he's having a good time, and then you have Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner bringing him donuts, and everybody's just so happy to have him there, he's working with the young guys, which is really different from what he was doing in Green Bay, and I'm starting to wonder if maybe two things can be true. Is it possible that Aaron Rodgers is truly happy in New York? I mean, why not? Because I don't think you can keep up the I'm doing this solely because I hate my ex act. You can only do that for so long. I'm starting to think that really what happened was A, Green Bay is just not Aaron Rodgers' happy place. When he's stressed, he doesn't go there in his brain. And I think the fact that he's from California, he's a little bit moody of a guy anyway. I, th- uh, You had the beef between him and Brian Kutst. The front office wasn't giving him any weapons. He felt, you had the Jordan Love thing. I think he was truly just unhappy there. Now, did he handle it the way he should have? Absolutely not. But also, I'm starting to think... That the mentality for Aaron in New York is not purely I hate my ex so I'm going to act like I'm happy with the new boo. I think he does truly hate the Green Bay Packers. And I think he wants them to fail. But I think there's some authenticity in the happy being in New York. Now, it's weird because he lives in Jersey. How could anyone be that happy living in Jersey? However, I think it's possible. Just the way that he's continually, consistently acting, performing, quoting, speaking, dealing with the media, it seems to be legitimate. Now, we will see if that energy carries over when he goes into game mode and people are a little bit tougher not as nice when they start losing games we'll see how that flows but i think it's possible that aaron Rodgers is truly happy guys thank you so much for hanging out we will be back with you on monday have a great rest of your wednesday enjoy game three tonight we will talk next week cheers